This is Live Well Talk on Skin Cancer. I'm Dr. Dustin Arnold, Chief Medical Officer at Unity Point Health St. Luke's Hospital. While many of you were planning on celebrating National Asparagus Month, May is also Skin Cancer Awareness Month. And joining me today to discuss this is Dr. John Vandersee, a plastic surgeon and skin care expert with Helen G. Nassif Community Cancer Center Advanced Melanoma and Skin Cancer Clinic. Today we'll discuss the Advanced Melanoma and Skin Cancer uh, Clinic and what it offers patients, as well as skin cancer prevention, causes, risk factors, and treatment. Dr. Vandersee, welcome. Thank you. You know, I think uh, when you think of cancers that people are scared of, uh, pancreatic it certainly is one of them, but, but melanoma strikes the fear in people uh, because sometimes it's found too late. Tell me, what, what are the different types of skin cancers? And then, and then let's just take it from there and, and maybe focus more so on the melanoma and the advances made in the treatment of melanoma. Sure. Basically, there are three general types of skin cancers. The first is basal cell. They local, they're locally aggressive, but they won't spread the lymph nodes in general, and they won't threaten your life, but they will eat your nose off or your lip off if you ignore it. So that's one type. The second type is what's called squamous cell cancer. They're a little more aggressive, and you want to get, as a surgeon, you want to get a little more margin on them, but they rarely will spread the lymph nodes. And the third type, of course, is melanoma. And melanoma is a huge spectrum, everything from pre-invasive, where it doesn't invade, we call it in situ melanoma, all the way to widespread metastasis at diagnosis. And oh, by the way, we can't find the primary site where it came from. And, and melanoma can affect the entire age spectrum from children through uh, young adults, middle adults, and elderly. So uh, it, in general, that melanoma is about the fifth most common cancer that we've seen in in um, Cedar Rapids in eastern Iowa. Basal squamous and melanoma, take us through what is the relationship between sun exposure and those cancers? I think that's a question that patients would like to see, would, would like to hear the answer to that. It's a direct relationship with one little exception as far well as far as squamous cell, basal cell and melanoma they all have a direct causal relationship to sun exposure. We think that the sun exposure is a little bit different between those three, however. For basal cells and squamous cells, we think that it's more of a chronic sun exposure. That, that damage to the cellular DNA extends over a period of time and then there develops your cancer. We think that the, the damage from the sun for melanoma is a different type because the evidence is fairly clear that a history of one severe sunburn to the point of blisters increases your risk of melanoma. That's the day you got your melanoma. It just might show up 20 or 30 years later. Right. So it's a different type of injury from the sun, but they all are from the sun with one little exception. About 10% of melanomas come from pre-existing moles that you've had for 10, 15, 20 years, and now it's undergone degenerative changes and becomes a melanoma. That's about 10, maybe 15% of melanomas, whereas the vast majority of them come from, from sun damage. And, and then that, that I presume that's why basal and squamous are more on the ears and the nose, et cetera, because that's the place that gets more sun exposure. Exactly. What are other risk factors for skin cancer, whether it be basal, squamous, or melanoma? Um, there are some underlying uh, immune or genetic diseases which cause them, uh, those happen extremely rarely, though. Um, so basically, you know, 
99% of the melanomas and, and advanced skin cancers I see are, are related to sun. So uh, that's essentially the whole ball of wax there. In regards to sun, is there a certain SPF that above that, it really doesn't add anything to it? What's the minimum from your experience, your recommendations? Yeah. What, what's your SPF? My recommendation is a little bit old. It's strictly 15 and SPF 15 or greater. And well, you're, you're, you're actually a little old, so that's that goes great that together. Falls in line with that. I understand that. However, the other thing I tell folks is live your life to the fullest. Go to Florida. Go to Mexico. But when you go to the beach, don't bake out in the sun. Get under the umbrella. Use your sunscreens liberally. And never, ever, ever get inside a tanning booth. It makes, you know zero sense the, the issue and 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 the heartbreaks are the kids in their 20s that develop melanoma from a tanning bed and we see that and it, um, is that like you mentioned that the melanoma is a singular uh sun exposure with blistering is is the melanoma from the tanning bed accumulative uh or is it a single time they use it i think it's a single time Okay, so just not a good idea in general. No, there's no justifiable reason to step inside a tanning bed. Period. End of discussion. That's interesting. You know, I always tell when I, I've always said this, and I've even told you this before when patients would say, well, what's this? And they point to a skin lesion. I always said, I'll tell you what it is when the path report comes back, you know, I've, because it can be anything. And I That's think it's always better to do the biopsy rule out. Because I've had cases where I've thought, oh, that's probably nothing. And it comes back, it's a basal cell or a squamous. Well, and I've, I've seen cases where I, I've seen a lesion that looks like a, like an irritated seborrheic keratosis, which is absolutely benign. And you do the biopsy and there's your melanoma. And melanoma cannot always be a black nodule. It can be pink. It can be red. It can be raised. And, there, and, and you get the path report and you're stunned. And not only just me, but because I treat them, but our, our excellent dermatologists that diagnose melanoma, and that's their whole professional life, is they see a lesion and they, they can render a, a, you know, an accurate assessment, but even they can be fooled. And, right. and so you're exactly right. Um, any question whatsoever, any change in a mole, any irregular border, irregular pigment, you, you have you have got to get a pathology report on that um, or or you imperil patients' lives. Yeah, absolutely. Now, the Advanced Melanoma and Skin Cancer Care Clinic, kind of walk me through the structure of that. Uh, talk about the milestones and accomplishments of the clinic, as well as what changes have you seen in treating melanoma over your uh, vast uh, uh, career? Well, when I came to this town 28 years ago, it was evident that that we needed a surgeon that that specialized in melanoma because it is a specialized area of surgery, and I'd been well trained in that regard. So I developed uh, an interest at that time, and when the when the cancer clinics came along, I decided to move it out of my uh, medical office and over to the cancer centers where they you know, the Helen G. Nassif Cancer Center where it properly belongs. And uh, I'd like to emphasize that what we have is a team and melanoma is uh, 
similar to other serious cancers, best treated with a team approach. We have a, an excellent group of dermatologists in this town, and they are the ones that do the diagnosis. We, we in our clinic don't do the diagnosis. To get in our clinic, you have to have a path report which says melanoma of any sort or, or depth or anything. That's your ticket into our clinic. We provide the, the treatment and the follow-up, but uh, the diagnosis is done by our excellent dermatologists in, in our community. Once you have that diagnosis referred to our community, we get you in our, our uh, clinic. Uh, I'll do an assessment. Depends on the depth of the melanoma or the type of that cancer will determine whether we get scans to see if it has spread or whether we can proceed directly with surgery. Then following the surgery, if necessary, then we interact with our oncologist if, if necessary. But uh, it's a, it is a one-stop shop. Uh, we're the uh, clinic of uh, last stop for, for melanoma and, and these advanced skin cancers. As far as uh, the developments over the years, the, the initial appeal for me personally and professionally for melanoma was it was a purely surgical disease. And if surgery wasn't successful, then that, uh, that meant the death of the patient. And um, the, the surgeries were relatively extensive at times, but over the years, things have changed significantly. Um, there have been two huge changes that we've seen in melanoma and at different ends of the spectrum on, on melanoma. The, the first change that we've seen is in, in early melanoma before it's invaded. We call it in situ melanoma. We see it a lot in elderly people. It's that pigmented patch on their scalp or in their face, you know, and it might have an irregular border. It might not be that distinct, but that could be a melanoma in situ. And typically prior, you know, as of before about four or five years ago, uh, we would try and, and clear that cancer surgically because go, over time that in pre-invasive melanoma will invade and then threaten your life. So those procedures, particularly on the elderly, could be fairly involved to try and get those cancers on the scalp and face out. Well, about three or four years ago, there was some uh, advances in the use of what we call Eldara. It's a cream placed on there about five days out of the week, and it causes some significant inflammation, but what it does is it revs up your immune system to attack those cancerous cells, not only just there where you're applying it, but also in the nearby area. We put that medication on for anywhere from six to 12 weeks, and it involves some significant inflammation and irritation. And then after that treatment is done, we wait about one or two months, and it heals over just wonderfully. And now the protocols do, you know, suggest that you biopsy those areas where you found the melanoma before. However, with this Aldara, I've had about a dozen patients that I've treated, clears the cancer up, and I'm looking now at normal skin. And, and frankly, I haven't had to do the biopsies. So that's, you know, it's saved some extensive operations in, in uh, elderly patients. So it's been a wonderful advancement there. 
The other huge advance in the field of melanoma is at the other range of, of the spectrum on melanoma, the, where the, that cancer is already spread to the lymph nodes or to the lungs, liver, or brain. And that's the development of immunotherapy. Early in my career, if, if I couldn't clear that cancer successfully in surgery, or if they developed a recurrence, the time of diagnosis of recurrence to the time of death averaged six months. And there was nothing that could be done about it. There wasn't a chemotherapy agent around. And as a matter of fact, at one of the oncology meetings, they had an oncologist review all the chemotherapy trials for the past 20 years, and they all had no advantage. And the conclusion was, maybe this is something we shouldn't even treat because we have nothing to offer. That was the state of affairs in melanoma until about 10, 12 years ago. And then we saw the advent of what's called immunotherapy. It started with interferon. It's a very tough drug, a lot of side effects, brought many people to their knees. But over time, we're now in about the third or fourth generation of immunotherapy drugs. They're given by our our excellent oncologists. It's either a pill every three weeks or an IV every three weeks, and much less side effects. The results of this immunotherapy are nothing but stunning. I have seen widespread metastasis, lungs, liver, disappear for years, cured. I've seen huge fungating melanomas about the size of a plum on a back with three doses of this stuff, three or four doses, shrink up, disappear. And when I come back in and do my surgery to try and make sure everything's cleared out, the pathologists look at it under the microscope and they report no cancer seen. It is nothing short of breathtaking. It's to the point where because of these results, we're now probably not doing any more lymph node dissections to try and clear that. We're, we're now way past the, the most recent guidelines from a year or two ago on from the National Cancer Center guidelines. We're past that point now just because of these new drugs. So as a, as a surgeon, it's been really gratifying in my career to, to kind of witness that whole area develop. So the advantage for us is that here at the, at the NASA Cancer Center is because we have a team, we also have a very, very close relationship and coordination with the University of Iowa uh, melanoma team down there. And over the last 10, 12 years, they've developed a very good melanoma team, which is very fortunate for us. Um, because we have this tight coordination, we have access to the latest clinical trials. Um, we're at the very forefront of practice in state-of-the-art surgery and, and treatment. Um, and there's no real sense that you need to go elsewhere, certainly not to the Mayo. Um, everything can be handled here locally. Um, here in Eastern Iowa between us, as well as the uh, University of Iowa. We have an excellent relationship. Well, I watched uh, The Wizard of Oz the other night and uh, there's no place like home. Dorothy <laughs> had that right. Uh, so in summary, avoid the sun, avoid tanning booths, and uh, apply and reapply the SPF. Yes. 
But in the event that you do have an anomaly of your skin, really advocate for yourself that it should be biopsied because that's the the that's the reassurance or the ticket to see you in the skin cancer clinic if it's abnormal. Absolutely. And and again, those the criteria for for a biopsy, first of all, any change in a mole, any change. The other thing is anything with an irregular border, anything with an irregular color or pigment, anything that bleeds or anything that's over 10 millimeters in size, which is about a third of an inch or so. All of those or, or any mole that has changed, um, all of that mandates a biopsy. And I don't care if it's been there for 20 years. I recently had a, a, a breast cancer patient that I was doing a reconstruction on. And I put a tissue expander in the left breast and on her left arm, she had this pigmented lesion there. It was about an inch in diameter. She says, well, it's been there for 20, 25 years, doc. There's nothing there. And I said, well, I can't reconstruct your breast here and look at this all the time. I know it's been there for 25 years, but I have got to know. And I biopsied it. It was melanoma in situ. Huh. Caught early, been there for 25 years, uh, didn't look particularly bad, but it certainly met the criteria. And as a result, she's going to be fine. But, That's outstanding. Uh, yeah. You know, back to the sunscreen, I, I can say this, and I know you have children a little bit younger than mine, but uh, there's like, there's phases that you, as a parent, you feel happy when they've arrived. That's when they can go to the bathroom on their own. And the next one is when they can apply the sunscreen themselves. Because trying to get a squirrely seven or eight-year-old lathered up is like, you know, wrestling a greased hog. And I'll add that it's when your children are old enough to realize they don't look better after they quote unquote tanned out at the pool or anything yeah. like that, you know, and you can persuade them that pale is beautiful. That's right. That is right. Well, this is great information. Uh, Dr. Vandersee, thanks for joining me today. Always, always good to talk to you. Uh, again, this is Dr. John Vandersee, a plastic surgeon and skin cancer expert at the Helen G. Nassif Community Cancer Center Advanced Melanoma and Skin Care Clinic. For more information, visit communitycancercenter.org backslash skin. Thank you for listening to Live Well Talk On. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe. And if you want to spread the word, please give us a five-star review and tell your family, friends, neighbors, strangers about our podcast. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, or wherever you get your podcast. Until next time, be well.